Will gets the puck for Carrier. He gets stripped, taps the loose puck for Kessel. He scores! Kessel from below the goal line! Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Knights grab it on the right wing side. Smith to the point. Petrangelo scores! Set up by Riley Smith. In the Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Pacific Division matchup tonight at T-Mobile Arena, and we are watching this incredible gaggle of teams uh, battling for top spot in the Pacific Division. Welcome in, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace. Uh, looking forward to this action tonight, third meeting of the season between Vegas and the San Jose Sharks. To size it up for you, uh, Vegas enters in first place. It will stay that way tonight, win or lose. Uh, 68 points. Uh, one up on the L.A. Kings, who are idle tonight. Seattle and... Edmonton are also off tonight. They are two points back uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's incredible. You have first place Vegas at 68 points mm-hmm. and the first wild card team, Edmonton, at 66 with a couple of teams in between, in mm-hmm. second and third. Yep. Tightly packed up, and that's how important tonight is as Vegas plays its game in hand on L.A. Yeah, it, it is it is jam-packed at the top of the Pacific Division. And, you know, as you mentioned, you've got the Golden Knights up top. And then uh, even the second wild card spot, that's 61 points with the Calgary Flames. So just seven points back of, of Vegas. So one through five in the Pacific Division, it's really strong. Uh, and I don't know anybody, maybe Darren Millard did at the beginning of the year, who thought that the Pacific would get five teams. But right now it's shaping out that way that the Pacific Division is going to be the team that's best represented once the playoffs start. No, I didn't ha- I didn't have five teams from the Pacific uh, because of the balance, or did I? I'll have to go I back think you and, did. And, and check um, uh, whether or not uh, that, was the, that was the case. Uh, I wasn't uh, hot on Minnesota. They're clinging to uh, a, a tie for the second wild card spot uh, in the Western Conference right now, but they've stumbled coming out of the pause in a really difficult seven-game homestand with uh, a lot of difficult opponents going Nashville, I think, is out of it. So you're really down to nine teams yeah. uh, for, for, for eight spots. And uh, the question is, are you going to have five from the Pacific, or is it going to be a division and an equal split uh, four and four? But what Vegas is concerned about is holding on to, one, a playoff spot, and two, home ice advantage uh, in that opening round. And the fact that they have this lead, they've been able to come out of the break and, and pick up those three wins. How important have those three wins been? That's the difference uh, right now between being uh, first place or being in a wild card spot. And to your point, the Seattle Kraken, like they've come out of the break and it's been tough sledding for them, not necessarily able to, to pick off where, to, to pick up where they left off going into the break. And it's allowed the Golden Knights to, as they take care of business, get themselves right back into first place in the division. So I think it's going to be something that we're looking at night in and night out because they're so close. All four or five of these teams are so close together that I think the the standings are going to be changing on a day-to-day basis. March 3rd is the National Hockey League trade deadline, and every day between now and then... (laughs) Fans of the Golden Knights, LA Kings, uh, Seattle Kraken, Edmonton Oilers, and Calgary Flames, uh, for that matter, mm-hmm. uh, will be waking up and wondering, did something happen last night uh, by one of those opposition teams to tilt the 
chances of a higher spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs in, in their favor. It's, uh, it's to the point now where maybe there could be a, a, a tweak, or an ad, a depth piece. It doesn't have to be a star piece that's going to be complementary to your team. And I love what John Shannon said mm-hmm. uh, about uh, the potential of, of Vegas looking at, uh, at a, somebody that can score goals, mm-hmm. but also take uh, some of the load off the, the penalty killers uh, down the stretch drive, uh, some of those hard minutes that Mark Stone used to occupy. That's the beauty of, of having John Shannon on the program because there's there's those little nuggets and, and different ways of looking at things. And while I think we all understand and agree that you know if the Golden Knights are able to add something at the trade deadline and it, that helps them score goals more consistently, that would be great. But it's also the other assets uh, that, that Mark Stone has on a team. His, his ability to defend is top-notch one of the best defensive forwards in the game, but it's also the penalty kill. And for the Golden Knights, they don't take a ton of penalties anyway, and their penalty kill has been pretty good even with Stone out of the lineup. But if you can take some of those minutes maybe off the legs of a William Carlson or a Riley Smith or a Chandler Stevenson uh, and turn in something similar, then it allows those players to focus more on the offensive side of the puck too. Let's focus on the Pacific Division and try to handicap who will be most aggressive hmm. between now and the National Hockey League trade deadline. And uh, we'll only include the teams that uh, that are in a battle for a playoff spot. The Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, uh, Kenny Holland and the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Ron Francis, the Seattle Kraken, and uh, Rob Blake with the Los Angeles Kings. And you've got Kelly McCrimmon, uh, running the the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas always seems to be in the mix. Sure, yeah. Whether it's uh, Cousins a couple of years ago, uh, what was thought to be a depth move for Robin Leonard a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, or uh, a star player like, like Mark Stone. They're, they're always in the mix. Rob Blake is a slightly harder guy to read sure. based on the rise of his team. They took a big step last year, mm-hmm. and they pushed Edmonton to a seventh game in that first round. What are the expectations for Rob? They added uh, Fiala in the offseason, uh, Deneau a couple of years ago. They've, they've made pushes. Uh, what, what are his expectations? How aggressive does Rob Blake get at the deadline? Ron Francis, I think I, like they're a second-year franchise. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, barring any type of collapse. That's an incredible accomplishment on its own. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there's a big pressure spot on Ron Francis to try and make a run here. Uh, making the playoffs is should be, when you're looking at the youthfulness of the franchise, uh, making the playoffs should be an, a big enough accomplishment. Edmonton, they're swinging for the fence. <laughs> Calgary, they did it in the off season with Brad Trey Living. Did sure. a really good job yeah. uh, in the in the Kachuk uh, swap. Chemistry has all it's been an issue this year in in climatizing the new players mm-hmm. to South Central Alberta. How much more does he want to change in after bringing in Huberto and Kadri from the Stanley Cup champions and Uyghur, uh from the, from the Florida Panthers? How much more does he want to tweak that roster over just continuing to let them come together? Uh, so the, the most aggressive, I think, is going to be Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Vegas and L.A. kind of tweeners, more lean towards Vegas being uh, aggressive. And Seattle and and Calgary, I think 
I think could stand pat. So when it comes to the Seattle Kraken, I, I agree with you that making the playoffs is, I don't want to say enough, but it's certainly progression. It's certainly where you want to to go if you're if you're Seattle here. But at the same time, when you look at the West, I make the argument that it's wide open. So could the Seattle Kraken improve their chances? You get there, you're not just looking for a cup of coffee, you're looking to do some damage. And so if you've got Vegas, who, as, as you mentioned, is kind of always in the middle of something, and I, I expect them to be looking to add something at this trade deadline, L.A., we know that, that they've been linked at times to Jacob Chikrin. I think that this is a team that wants to take another step, and it's certainly a team that can use some of their impressive capital when it comes to prospects in order to get something from uh, from another team to, to bolster their their, op, their chances. I think the Kings are all in. I think they're going for it. now. You think they're going for a conference title? Yeah. They, you I, think they can make I, a big run? I think they are. I think they're still in the uh, the building phase. I Now, that being said, I, I like the idea of L.A. pushing for maybe another goalie. I know Phoenix Copley's been fantastic, but I just don't know if you're going to be able to have the run that you're wanting to have in the playoffs if you are going into it with Phoenix Copley and an aging, aging, aging Jonathan Quick. Cal Peterson, too. Well, yeah, he'll, okay. he'll, he'll be part of it. He sure, will be. that's fair. Um, but that all being said, I think L.A. is going to do something, but you're right. The Edmonton Oilers should be, need to be, the most aggressive team when it comes to the trade deadline because you've got Connor McDavid in his prime. And you know that you're not going to have, in my estimation, as wide open a chance as you have right now with the way that the West is looking and the teams that are there. I think for the Edmonton Oilers, who went to a conference final last season, you've got to go all in here. You've got to find a way to make a big splash and a big difference because this could be the year that everything breaks right for the Edmonton Oilers. When is it too early to start looking at matchups? And, and and it's and it's a little bit uh, fudged because the standings are so tight right now. But if the playoffs started today, uh-huh. uh, there would either be an investigation because they didn't complete the season, sure, or uh, it would be because of some kind of uh, stoppage, uh, which we had a couple of years ago uh, after only fifty-four games. Uh, it would be uh, the playoff matchups would be Vegas uh, against the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. and and I think. Both teams would have reason to be positive with that. Both teams would have a reason to be uh, wondering whether or not they should add something at the deadline to counter uh, the other team. Yeah, I I would argue that you would love to kind of look at what the matchups are going to be, but because everything is so tight and compact, I, I don't know that you can ever really plan for that, or at least not right now in the Pacific Division. There's no real separation. You don't have a situation like you do uh, when you look across at the Atlantic Division, kind of understanding and knowing exactly who you're going to be playing based on where the the results are. So I think you've just got to bolster your team in any way you see fit that, that kind of attacks some of the holes. For the Edmonton Oilers, it's going to come down to defending better. And, and I, you can kind of make the different arguments that, well, Eric Carlson puts the puck on the stick of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in better spots, and, and that's really what you're looking for. But can you get better? Can you improve as a team if you get a, a solid or, or, or stay-at-home defenseman? I'm not sure what the, what the avenue is there for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think that the matchups are going to dictate that too much. I, I, think, they're too much. I think they're too far gone uh, to be able to think about – or be at the stage where if we get 
a stay-at-home guy, he's going to change a lot of our defending abilities. It, they, their defense isn't good enough then, around that. So, so actually doubling down then, then does, Eric Carlson does, does make sense with with Eric Carlson. I just don't know from an asset uh, perspective what you're going to have to give up, and then. Um, from from San Jose having to keep some salary, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not they can find a third team, what, whether it's a big enough upgrade to from Len Berry over to to Eric Carlson. He's, Eric Carlson's the best defensive defenseman in the game in yes. the world, yeah, yeah. and and that's with Kale McCarr uh, and and the rise of of, of uh, that uh, youthful. Uh, Child from uh, from Colorado and what he's been able to do. Great haircut, by the way. Youthful uh, child. Well, he is. He's he's a kid. <laughs> he's a, he's a kid. Uh, uh, and and Fox, Adam Fox, in yeah. in, in New yeah. York. Like, there's a ton of of, of great offensive defensemen. But uh, right now, Eric Carlson's playing a different game. Mm-hmm. Then, I, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I make it happen. I, I make it happen because again, like you're you're talking about McDavid and Drysidle in their prime, and this is as wide open to me as the Western Conference has ever been for the Edmonton Oilers to do some damage. We saw Connor McDavid go absolute freak mode last year in the playoffs, and it got you to a Western Conference final. Perhaps we've seen Eric Carlson in the past take over playoff series before. So if I'm the Oilers, it only makes too much sense to me. Go all in on Eric Carlson. As much as you don't want to give up first-round picks, do something because – you're not going to have this iteration of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl forever, and you've got to do everything you can to try to win this year. Yeah, if if it's not Eric Carlson, I'm not sure they do much on, I, that, on that regard. And and, and they, they still have to get Yamamoto back. They get they, there's a couple of things that they have I to. Mean, I, I who, get who's it. the best team in the Western Conference right now of of those nine teams? Minnesota. Up. Who's the best team? Yeah, that's really tough to say. Um, I I think. The best team is probably the Dallas Stars because I don't look at anything and say incomplete, right? Like, we, we've seen Jake Ottinger in the playoffs. He's had a fantastic year. You've got a lot of scoring up front with the Dallas Stars. I, I like their defense. Like, I don't think there's a ton of holes within the, the, within the roster. And I, I just I, I look at the, the Dallas Stars as a team that is, is kind of built for the playoffs, and they're hard to beat. They've got 11 uh, times that they've lost in overtime or yeah. a shootout, yeah. which is a lot of points on the table. Calgary's got the same way. Uh, you, you may not be wrong with the, with the declaration of the, of the Dallas Stars. They've got the most points. Uh, they've got uh, good assets up front, uh, a really good blue line, and one of the best goaltenders. We saw what he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. and Jake Ottinger yep. uh, last year and how much that experience uh, can go forward. Uh, everybody else has something that they would like to, to change or they're, they're playing from a, from a slightly position of weakness. Mm-hmm. And um, LA Kings certainly have that. Uh, Seattle Kraken uh, have, have some glorious stories, but uh, areas that they would love to tweak. Colorado looks like they're finding some rhythm but still uh, have to get some 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 players back some of their big uh, hitters back uh, Colorado might be the team that that could emerge going into the playoffs to be in in a in a great scenario and, yeah. and that would be Winnipeg and Colorado if you're talking matchups right now uh, in, in a first round for the avalanche it might be the team that has the most to gain outside of making a trade Right, because you've got players that that if you get back, if you get Gabe Landeskog back, if you, all of a sudden you hit the playoffs healthy, then all of the you know you look at that team, 
they won the Stanley Cup last year. This this is a, a team that's been around the block and they know what to do. So I think the Avalanche are a big wild card in the Western Conference. Um, and you know, outside of Dallas, I don't I don't think you know as, as you mentioned, I think every team has something that they'd love to address at the trade deadline. If the Golden Knights were healthy, if Mark Stone was available and Logan Thompson were available, I'd put the Golden Knights right there with the Dallas Stars. But because of those absences right now for Vegas, I think that you look at the team that's, a, that's most complete, and it's Dallas. It's not a clear-cut best team in the Western Conference. You could sell me on a few teams in the East. That's with Boston having an incredible season, uh, one of the best ever for an original six franchise. Uh, Toronto, uh, they have plenty of reasons to feel confident to, to try and break through on, on their situation. Tampa Bay, uh, they lost last night uh, against Arizona in a shootout, but it was, it was remarkable to watch that game and the depth that they have. And you look at that team and go, Wow, they're they're still really good. Yeah. Uh, despite going to three straight Stanley Cup Finals, uh, Carolina, I love New Jersey's been tied uh, to Timo Meyer. Oh, do they bring uh, him in the Rangers? Like, and and that's without Sitter or Ovi uh, yep. mentioning. So uh, you, you could you could uh, Rangers aren't quite there yet, but uh, if if things do take hold. Uh, with the with the big trade that they made last week, uh, I could I could see them rising up into uh, getting a lot more uh, attention from the experts. But Jersey, Carolina, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, all have reasons to feel really good about the, the themselves. Where you could you could say, okay, that's that's the best team. Mm-hmm. Carolina, I I really like what they've done. That's the best team in the conference. The West, uh, there's there's no way where I can go. They're head and shoulders, the best team. Yeah, I, I think that's probably accurate, and and you know that's why, again, if I'm if I'm looking at ob- objectively from from the aspect of what should Edmonton do, a team that has all the talent in the world, if it's this wide open, if you don't have that clear cut head and shoulders above the rest team in the West, and I don't believe that there is one, go all in. You're not going to have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in their prime forever. You're just what? not, because the aging happens. Father time catches up to you. I don't. It hasn't caught up to me yet. He's been tracking You're me for a Connor while. You're not Connor McDavid. And I still juke and jive all over the place uh, around the corner. Hey, uh, here's uh, Bruce Cassidy. He spoke today ahead of this game against the San Jose Sharks. Well, what have you seen from the Sharks lately? No, listen, they play hard. The game against Pittsburgh, they had a lot of action around the net. They had trouble scoring. They got one late uh, to get back in the game. But I think they're a very competitive team. They try to play fast. They're on top of you. Um, you know, they're just, they lack a little depth scoring right now. They're having trouble finishing. Their top guys can certainly do it, so we've got to be mindful of those guys to make sure they don't beat us. Have you been surprised there? Yeah, I, I am. I don't, you haven't seen seasons like this where guys, you know, I think he's projected for 100, you know, 100 point season on the back end. That's, that's rare. So uh, they've needed it. They need his offense, so that's probably why it's, 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 sustained, it's sustained itself. Um, and uh, he's having a special year, so good for him. What can three days off the road be for you this time of year in terms of well, things you can work on? Yeah, I mean, we got to balance it a bit. I mean, it was Super Bowl Sunday. We have a good win. We cap off a good week. We have our gala. So I think the guys had a mix of some, you know, taking care of their off ice, having a, you know, a social night with their, their spouses, which I think is important during the year that they're included. Um, when we got back to work yesterday. I thought it was a very lively, spirited practice. 
Um, focused on some special teams yesterday, again this morning. So that's the one area of our game that we've, we've got to start helping ourselves in the power play. Didn't hurt us last week. We were able to manufacture enough goals, but at some point you need that timely goal. So that's the one area right now that sticks out where we're, we're off. Um, so we've mixed the units up a bit again. Some of it's injury related, some of it's because we changed lines, so it's easier to keep lines together. That's not always the case, but um, that's what we're looking at now. Morning skate Bruce City, that's a good energy out there. Are you one that believes that bleeds over in the game or too much made it? I don't I don't believe that, but I'd rather see more energy than less. I guess that's the way I look at it. If we're gonna go out there, I'd like the guys to be engaged in what they're doing. I don't know if it has a bearing on on uh, how they perform at night. I think there's a lot of teams that have gone away from it completely the morning skate, uh, just from the mental part of putting the equipment on. I think the value for me is always getting those touches. There's players that want to go out there still to this day. Uh, it's balancing it in season. We've had a quieter week, so we can do it today. I would think by March there wouldn't be a lot of morning skates the way our schedule is looking, but right now it's for us, it's uh, and, and, and going back to Jesse's, the power play, right? To get some touches there, and it's a good chance to do it on a fairly clean sheet of ice and fresh people. So, um, see where it leads. What has to happen against their penalty kill? Well, they don't take a lot of penalties. Defend the blue line well. So, how we enter the zone is very is critical tonight that we get in there with speed. Um, if you slow it down at the blue line and run a lot of those kickouts, I think they do a real good job of jamming you up. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we counter that. We've tried to put some things in place. Whether they, we execute that or not, we'll see. Uh, and then you've got to outnumber them at the front of the net. I think that's an area that we can get to, and, and teams have, when they've scored, have gotten there with numbers. Um, they're not a big, big decor where they're going to push you out of there all night, but they're quick at the blue line. They understand what they need to do well to deny scoring chances, and they've done a good job of pressing up with their pressure. So we've got to make sure that... Uh, we're efficient against their pressure when we do get in and then get it to the front of the net as quickly as possible and have, have more sticks around the front of the net than them. Why is I don't have a good answer for that because I didn't see him last year, what his skill is, like if it's uh, hand-eye coordination or just basic quickness or just overpowers guys. That's one area I leave with Craiger. He takes care of all the face-offs. Um, I think he does get low. That's one advantage he has. He's got a low base, so obviously has good hands. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. I think some of those guys are just naturally good at it. Some guys are, like I said, are naturally strong hands and forearms, and as a result, get a lot of those 50-50 ones to go their way. I have it in my head. Uh, thanks to uh, Bruce Cassidy for meeting with us and being so uh, generous with his explanations uh, on a daily basis. But I have this uh, this vision of Popeye digging in for a face-off <laughs> when he's talking about his arms, the forearms, and, and being able to win battles yeah. by strength. And what what would Popeye have been like as a as a face-off guy? Probably never lose. Yeah, quick. Yeah, unless he was reaching for the can of spinach. Ah, that's the only thing. Take his, take his eye off the game for a minute uh, to eat some spinach. Uh, tonight will be uh, fascinating to watch in the sense of how Vegas plays in the first period. Because they've had so much success the last three games, and they've done it in uh, really predictable ways. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Lawless used the word, is, is the, their game predictable right now, in, in a compliment, in the sense of they're being able to throw out uh, period after period after period, game after game after game now, mm -hmm. uh, of, of high-quality play and consistent play. They scored a bunch of goals. A lot of guys, and when, when you score a bunch of goals, all throughout the lineup, 11 different guys have scored. That means 
everybody's feeling great. Yeah. That's, that's the other good part. Yeah. Everybody's feeling like they're contributing right now. But when you, when you have that kind of success, do you start thinking more offensively or do you stick with the, the game plan? What, one of the great areas that, that we've seen throughout these, these three games is at times when they've been stymied, like the other night against Anaheim when it was a 2-1 game, uh, nobody got away from the game plan. Mm-hmm. They were really structured and diligent with their uh, approach to that game. Now that you've won a little bit, let's let's see if uh, if there's any varying from that. Uh, Bruce Cassidy will be speaking to this exact same thing uh, prior to the guys coming out, and and to see how much uh, everybody with these with these lines are able to carry the the momentum forward. It'll be important to not stray from it. Right now, that's human nature, right? If if pucks aren't going in, or it's it's you know, suddenly a situation where you find yourself trailing in a game. Or you, it's a tie game or it's and you a tie just want to yeah. go out there and, and make score a, a bunch of goals. Yeah. yeah, make a play, score a bunch of goals. I think for this team, you're not so far removed from kind of the sense and the feeling going into the break. I know that the, the success has been nice coming out of the break, but you still know that it can change at any moment. You've got to play the right way, and I think that's really the thing that you're trying to hammer in on. Uh, it's easy for me to say, no, I don't think that'll be an issue. I think they're going to play the right way. I think that you know they're going to be out there and they're going to manage the puck well and everything's going to work. I don't know that, but I, I think from what you've gotten out of the first three games out of this break, the fact that they have not cheated the game in any way, the fact that they have played the right way and have been rewarded, I, I think that that goes a long way in kind of having the buy-in, even if things get tough today. Aiden Hill expected to get the start. It'll be his fourth straight appearance because he came on in relief of Logan Thompson in Minnesota. It'll be the first time he starts back-to-back games, though, with with the Golden Knights. I'm a firm believer that Aiden Hill has had a lot more influence on the three wins that we've watched than the score indicates. Sure. I, I don't disagree with you. The timely saves early in games, the timely saves uh, the other night against Anaheim uh, in a 2-1 lead with the breakaway against Strom. Uh, But the the locking it down against the Minnesota Wild when he came on in relief, uh, turning the, 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 or maintaining the 5-1 lead against the Nashville Predators uh, in, in which Vegas scored five unanswered goals in that game and not letting a 5-1 game become a 5-3 game has been really confidence building and I see him I listened to him uh, on the podcast uh, with the sheriff uh, Dave uh, some guy named uh, Stan and uh, you know the SLD and G uh, podcast uh, with with those guys uh, uh, and listen to them talk about uh, about Aiden Hill uh, he was on nighttime at noon with Ashley and and Dan earlier this week there's there's a there's a confidence about him right now mm-hmm. That uh, that seems maybe a little different than than we've seen from from Aiden as he got his spot starts uh, to uh, use an expression that maybe not as fair but uh, probably more accurate. Sure, I I think Aiden Hill has loomed incredibly large for the Golden Knights coming out of the break, and you you know you you had that first game back where you're not really sure what you're going to get uh, in Aiden Hill. At, you know, at the end of the night, was better than UC Soros and comes in in Minnesota. And as you mentioned, the fact that they were able to turn those first two games into no-doubters, the fact that they didn't allow Nashville to creep back in late in the game, so you feel good top to bottom from minute one to minute 60. 
Same thing in Minnesota, coming in cold in the third period. All of a sudden, Minnesota scores a goal. Who knows what happens in the third period? Aiden Hill shut it down. And then, to me, the save of of the game, certainly the, the, the play of the game for the Golden Knights, wasn't the fact that they scored five goals in the, in the third period. It was Aiden Hill's save on Ryan Strom on that breakaway. It was a huge moment in the game. It was a timely save that you needed from your goaltender, and Aiden Hill made it. And that really, to me, was the crux of why the Golden Knights were able to go on and make that one a no-doubter. Uh, Aiden Hill's been good. Uh, so has Paul Cotter. I'm just looking up the uh, the numbers. Paul Cotter's shooting percentage. Yeah. Which is wild. It's, all, it's knocking on 20% right now oh. uh, for, for Paul Cotter. Uh, and we were talking today about, like, why is it so high? Uh, somebody joked that he should shoot more sure. uh, w- when it's that high. But uh, it's uh, it's 19.8 in the conversion rate. I think he's which, picking his spots, right? Well, then we, we dove a little bit deeper. And look where Paul Cotter scores his goals. In tight? It, between the dots. Yeah. And he some, some of it is uh, due to his transition and speed. Uh, but he... He goes to the net. Uh, Will Carrier uh, on his line has to be the guy that, that goes to the, the net and, and make things happen. Michael Amadio has to be around the net uh, with, with Riley Smith and William Carlson. They have that guy on every line that has to be involved uh, uh, right in front of the net. Keegan Colasar uh, with the with the Wah and, and the Howden unit. But Paul Cotter mm-hmm. uh, with, with that line with Chandler Stevenson, uh, is is the guy that goes to the net and and makes things happen with with Phil Kessel? He's being rewarded. He scored in in back to back games and has the one of the great shooting percentage. Riley Smith a couple of years ago, uh, in year three, was off the charts like that too. Had uh, one of these crazy years in which the shooting percentage uh, w- was sky high. So uh, keep an eye on the likes of Cotter and Carrier, uh, Colasar uh, going to Matteo in in going to the net and being a net front presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Every line's got uh, a, a bit of a presence there, and I think that's what Bruce Cassidy was was really looking for, um, a combination going into the break, is is players that will get to the inside. Um, and I thought the Golden Knights from, from the blue line certainly have had a, a more of a shot-first mentality to get the pucks to the front of the net with the traffic arriving on time, and that's what's allowed them to to find a, a lot of offense over the last three games. Well, if you have somebody in front of the net, they don't have to be Joe Pavelski tipping pucks in and making the beautiful deflections. You can just cause havoc yeah. and, and create uh, a disruption, uh, maybe take the attention away from the blue liner that's uh, defending the goal or the, the uh, eyes of the goaltender and there's a rebound there or some kind of bounce or like Will Carrier the other day where it went off him and bounced right to Phil Kessel. So I have a, I have a, a little bit of a, a challenge to everybody coming up, and it, it came to me as I was driving into the rink today. It has nothing to do with the game. But it will spill over to tomorrow's show because it's got me wondering. I'm too inside the game to really relate to a lot of this stuff. I'll explain it next on One Timers, live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. 
Uh, let's start with some tickets to give away. 702-870-1340. Give it a call. What was the number then? What is it? 702-876-1340. They all know the number anyway. Yeah, it's 1340. Uh, call now. Be caller number seven, and we will give you two tickets to see the Golden Knights take on the Dallas Stars on February 25th, uh, Saturday night date uh, a week from this Saturday. So uh, call now, and uh, hopefully you win those tickets. Uh, Rasmus Anderson could return when the Flames host the Detroit Red Wings uh, tonight. Hmm. He's missed the past three games after being hit while yeah. riding a scooter in Detroit uh, a week ago. I still don't understand why you're riding a scooter in Detroit. In because February, you wanted to do something a little bit wow. different. I don't understand what the problem That's, is. Uh, snow tires on that thing or, or something. But uh, but that will be uh, that will be big, and we're, I'm just glad that uh, that he's not hurt. For yeah. all the fun yeah. that uh, that we've had with that situation, it's it's great that he's going to be okay after getting hit by a vehicle while yep. he was on the scooter. Uh, Carl Haglin had resurfacing surgery. That's a tough one. You, one that you really got to spit out and concentrate. It's also uh, invasive surgery, but I'm talking about pronouncing the resurfacing surgery. On his left hip on Monday, he's going to be out indefinitely. That takes a while uh, to come back, so that's another blow for the Washington Capitals who are without their uh, superstar and captain, Alexander Ovechkin. The NHLPA has a new executive director, Martin Walsh. He's the former U.S. Secretary of Labor. Oh, wow. If, if you're going to hire somebody <laughs> to run your union, yep. the U.S. Secretary of Labor is pretty good. Former mayor of, of Boston as wow. well uh, as uh, Marty Walsh uh, takes over uh, from a, a situation that was led by Donald Fair for the last uh, number of, of years. We don't talk a lot about the executive director of the NHL PA, PA uh, mm -hmm. the Players Association, uh, very often until there's a CBA that needs to be inked. Let's hope we don't talk about Marty for a while. Yeah, exactly. My my thoughts are, are exactly the same. I wonder, are, are you more wary of somebody coming into the job and they're gonna like put their stamp on things and they don't they don't want to be perceived as uh, as taking a, a softer deal or are you more concerned about the person that's been there for a while and knows the lay of the land? Um, I'm more concerned with players being listened to and and trying to get you know whatever concessions you can for the players and and however that has to look um, I, I think that you know kind of a new voice certainly has um, you know the potential to improve some things or at least win some some battles for individual players but more than anything the only thing I'm looking for is to make sure that um, everybody can come to an agreement the next time there's uh, there's a CBA that needs to be negotiated and we don't have any interruptions at all in perpetuity with uh, the national you didn't answer that question at all Are yeah, you more worried about the new guy or the guy that's been in there for a while I just want to see I'm more wary of the new guy why who, who, who wants to put a stamp on things and really and, and he take charge for, on things yes but he's 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 trying to get a gauge of where the players are at and what the players want and I think that it, it's less to do with the individual person and more to do with what the collective wants. Uh, don't tell Gary that. What's that old saying and about not, being, not Gary Lawless either. About beware of the uh, the boss you know as opposed to the boss you don't know? 
that's not the phrase, but it's sort of the phrase. It's it's a different phrase that you're just adopting to the to work on this. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you on that. So what's your answer, Chapman? I'm more worried about the new guy. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, Derek Lalonde uh, joined the Chirp Podcast with Darren Millard. You guys should check that out. Who? Derek Lalonde, the guy okay, who replaced uh, Jeff Blashill. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right on that. So here's my 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 question. Chapman. My question on this. You missed it. Uh, Score. Here we go. I was lis- listening to radio today. Yep. And people were talking about the new rules being adopted by baseball. Okay. And one of them is they're going to crack down on box. Okay. All right. One of the most mispronounced words in sports, but also one of the strangest words in sports. Yep. Like, who came up with that? I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make any sense. I I don't know. I I balk at that. Yeah, exactly. It's bizarre. Yep. So what's what's the strangest word in hockey? What's the, what's the comparison? The, the comparison parallel, to the, the parallel to balk, to balk in in hockey to baseball. And I'll take multiple different suggestions, but this is what I was talking about that could spill into tomorrow, and and our, our conversation about it. I'm too close to the game. I've known all these terms forever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not sure that anything really grabs me. I. I don't like the phrase "stand on his head," but that's not really a, a rule well, is or it, anything. Is it? Is it like accepted vernacular? Like it, it's got to be a, an official, officially utilized. I would like word it within, to be. Yeah, I, I don't like know. Icing face off. None of those. None of those no. compare. No. No. So what's um, offsides? Doesn't compare. It's offside. Um, yeah. Or uh, offside. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the crease doesn't compare. Um. The slot certainly doesn't compare. Um, I mean, there's some there's some weird words in hockey, but like I don't think there's any that compare like it's, to it's a rule. It's all slang, though, right? Yeah. Like like dangle and deke. Like yeah, those are those lettuce. are cool words, but yeah, like le- they're lettuce. not really cookie and apple and a biscuit. May, like yeah. maybe maybe apple, but not really. But that's I don't know. I, an apple's an apple, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. In the sense of it's not a weird word. What's the strangest word in hockey? I don't, I don't know what it is, or if if there is a comparable. And that's what I was thinking about when I was driving in today, uh, thinking about all these so, tweaks to baseball. So let I'll I'll think about it tonight, and let's bring it back and tomorrow. We'll bring it back tomorrow. I don't know that even thinking about it overnight and for the majority of tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to come up with one. I, I don't think that there's any, like, made-up Twitter, strange Twitter word. has to help us here. Okay, then throw it out there. Let's let's go Twitter. All right, you can tweet me since, you know, Johnny Blue Check Mark doesn't check his Twitter. You can tweet me Very at right. Ryan Hockey Guy or at Fox Sports LV or at Magnum702. Tell us your comparable in hockey to baseball's Bach. Yeah. I, I got nothing. Legitimately nothing. It's a hard one. That's yeah. why I bring the heat it's here. It's a real conundrum. Who won the tickets? Stephanie. Nice. Love it. I still think Mike's uh, going to be in there uh, at some point uh, this year. Catching up with Chapman is on the way as uh, we wrap up one-timers for this Thursday, February. Mm, 
on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. Are you a big fan of Billy Idol? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say big, but I'm a fan. <laughs> so, Billy Idol is going to be performing a concert in Las Vegas on April the 8th. Although, I should say it's actually not going to be technically in Las Vegas. It's going to be at the Hoover Dam Billy Idol is going to perform a concert in front of 250 people only to raise awareness for the drought at the Colorado River and Lake Mead. Now, packages are available, so if you're interested in going, remember, only 250 people can attend. The first package is already sold out, so there's only 200 tickets that are left to be sold, starting at $1,499, and with that, you actually get your name in the credits after the show so that's kind of cool so if you're interested billy idol i think it'd be a cool experience to go see anybody perform at hoover dam especially in that small of a of a setting someone like billy idol i mean guy's been around since the early 80s and had some some real some real bangers white wedding and uh um rebel yell some cool stuff rock the cradle money money i was gonna say like two no, he had a he had a couple. He no, was, he was and he was in the uh, wedding singer with Adam Sandler. Remember yeah, the, Julia Gulia, she does an airplane scene. No, the the middle school, high school dance song with Moni Moni, and then yes. everybody gets you know, just free wheel to be able to scream your head off. Rock swear. the Cradle was an awesome. The the video you, for you that just, was you, incredible. You, you had to search a long time to get to uh, Rebel Yell. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I I drew a blank very quickly, but uh, Darren, I hear you have an interesting pen. I do. It's a great pen. Yeah. That's, that was a good, solid segue. That was amazing. <laughs> Wallace said, hey, see if you can fit in Darren's <laughs> pen. And then you did that well by just saying, hey, I uh, hear you have a yeah, pen. Yeah, listen, I don't need it's, to be smooth. Just tell me about the pen. <laughs> it's it's a good pen. It's uh, got a fleur de lay on it uh, with a cross. It's it's uh, uh, medieval, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Would, would you go with that? Yeah. Medieval? It, it, it looks like uh, the pen was taken out of Game yeah, of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah. You know where I got this pen? Where? Christmas. Really? Yep. A uh, nice Christmas card from my friends, the Cotters. Really? Oh. They sent it to me, wow. uh, and I appreciate it very much with a, a handwritten note mm. from the Cotters uh, telling uh, me how much they appreciate uh, uh, our correspondence and our conversations with Paul. And I uh, use that, uh, this pen, uh, in its uniqueness uh, as, uh, as a tribute to, to uh, Paul's mom and dad. I'll so I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. I'll you didn't expect that, though, did you, Skippy? I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I was mesmerized by it. I was mesmerized by it. And, it was, there was, and, and I kid you not, Chapman, uh, there was a moment in the show where I, I looked over at Darren doodling, and I was just completely blown away by his pen. I do doodle a lot. You doodle more than any person I've ever yeah. met in my entire my life. My dad used to doodle in church all the time. I think that's where where I got <laughs> it from. I, I noticed that you doodle you doodle a lot of eyes. I do. I do and faces. I, don't know why. I do faces yeah. and noses and uh, yeah. My, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, is uh, is a really good artist, and I've tried to get some tips from her, but she's just so much more talented. But I just like I, I like doodling, and this is a, this is a great pen. I'll I'll put this out on Instagram. Yeah, uh, a picture of this pen. Because it Not is, on, is very uh, cool. The the blue check mark site. Nah, maybe. Might do that. 
I don't know. I got a TV to do right now, so I'm I'm backed up with assignments. Yeah, you've uh, you've got point. a half an hour. Time for now. be real, but no time for Johnny Blue. I just I already time. posted my be real uh, for the for the day. Uh, Black History Month uh, tonight in uh, T-Mobile at the Golden Knights uh, Fortress. Awesome warm-up sweaters. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jalen Jones uh, did not design them. Our uh, motion graphic artist with the Vegas Golden Knights. They are outstanding. Check it out uh, as we hand it off to the. Pre-game show with Ryan Wallace. Hope he gets here in time on Fox Sports Las Vegas.